Third and fourth year medical students, listen up. I got something for you today. Now, also, if you are a graduate of a foreign medical school and you're seeking out an observership, you can listen too. So we all know as a third and fourth year medical student of a Caribbean school or as an international student anywhere in the world, in order for you to find clinical rotations, you have to depend on either your university or your personal network or going through an agency to find and secure these rotations. Well, what if I told you that there's a different way to do this now? USDoctors.co have flipped the script. What are they doing? They basically created what I consider is the Uber for medical rotations. So what does that mean? Now, this company, what they've done is, and by the way, guys, it's founded by an IMG for IMGs. I'm all about physicians doing things to give back to other physicians. So Dr. Umar Elahi is going to be on the show today and he's going to share with us how he's bridging the gap. He's an internist, he's an attending physician currently in the Chicago area and he also works with students and residents in internal medicine. So he's the perfect person to give his advice, right? But beyond that, he's coming on the show today to sponsor this episode really, but also to tell us how his service is here to bridge the gap for IMGs in order to find rotations. So this is a hassle-free method where you get to pick where you choose to go. You get to pick what preceptors you work with. Um, it's basically the Uber for clinical rotations. So let's get right into it. Listen up, guys. It's going to be good. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. I have two guests on the show today. Our first guest is Dr. Umer Elahi, who is an IMG as well, just like me, and Sal Rahman. And they are redefining healthcare for professionals. Guys, I get this request all the time from IMGs across the world and even here in the States. Dr. Loom, how do we find U.S. clinical experience? Well, One way is what we'll be talking about today. I invited another IMG who started this really awesome platform. It's called usdoctor.co. It's a one-stop solution for healthcare professionals, sort of like the Uber for U.S. clinical experience. So before further ado, Dr. Umer, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Nina. Thank you for having me on the platform having us on the platform. I wanted to introduce myself as, again, Dr. Umer Ilahi. I am an international medical graduate, now coming on about 10 years of since uh, graduation from a school in the West Indies called Windsor University School of Medicine. Originally, I was born in the States, but given that I did my medical school overseas, I am considered what we call a international medical graduate or foreign medical graduate. Some of the advantages of being able to see the viewpoints from both sides, one being an individual who was born in the United States, but also classified as an international medical graduate, really gives 
me and has given me the blessing of being able to see the lens from both views. Whereas, unfortunately, in today's day and age, although we practice side by side with our providers who graduate from United States medical schools, we're always considered an international medical graduate. Nonetheless, patient care is always excellent, whether you're from overseas or you're from a university here. But going through medical school, it wasn't seen as equal. And we ran into a lot of challenges trying to make our place in the clinical rotation setting. Uh, Whether it was we got the hand-me-downs or second choices for rotations or subpar chances at filling the best medical education facilities that were available to some of our peers in in the field based on where they went to school. And uh, since then, we started to see a lot of challenges that came about. And uh, I was born and raised originally in Chicago, and I had the unique opportunity of being raised in a family of healthcare providers. And so I was blessed to understand the lay of the land a little bit better than some of my other colleagues from school. And I was very familiar with the hospital systems uh, growing up in as a unit clerk, performing activities or volunteering at the local hospitals, and then also from the network through my family. What I quickly realized, though, after uh, coming back from spending the first two years in the West Indies, uh, was that uh, as an international medical graduate, I was limited with what were the clinical rotation opportunities available to me. Not only was that limitation present, but I was put into a situation where I had to really create the third and fourth year schedule for myself. As much as I wanted to leverage the resources available to the school, they were also limited. And since then, I started to kind of think about what were the better ways of aligning a system which was extremely frustrating, was kind of like a old boys club that, you know, there were certain institutions or certain private third party companies really being the gatekeeper for for rotations and then creating it to be more transparent, creating it to be a system which was a lot more fair for students or providing a little bit more value for students, providing really the best opportunity from a medical education standpoint to accomplish the goal of, of providing clinical rotations and and passing that clinical knowledge on to us as as students. Yeah. Fast forward uh, five years uh, when I become an attending. And prior to this, my my mother had transitioned from emergency medicine mainly to uh, IMER. So she started to, she would join the practice, excuse me, private outpatient practice, and then soon became the only provider there. And uh, she had been an inspiration early on from a medical education perspective. She had taught a graduate medical education residence for approximately like 16 plus years at the institution she was at and really loved teaching, enjoyed that transfer of knowledge from attending to resident or attending to medical student, and um, also saw the value as a provider having extra hands on deck to be able to either quickly see a patient who needs to be triaged because, you know, you've got five other patients in the ER or 
or vice versa, you know, having them follow up and see patients that were extremely important to their medical knowledge. And uh, she had reached out to me and, and asked me and said, Umer, you know, can you uh, set up the medical student rotation program out of my clinic? And I gladly accepted. And I started to piece together the first medical rotations program for her clinic. And uh, I reached out to all the big players that were in the environment to provide rotations and those that I had personally gone through and others that I had personally vetted and found. And as uh, now an attending physician, and then even as the medical co-director of her clinic, assisting with setting up this uh, medical student program, started to see some nuances in the business and logistical practices of providing rotations and working with medical providers to, again, keep the basic principles of honesty, value, transparency apparent. Coincidentally, at the time, I was also completing my MBA at Loyola Quinlan, and I was blessed to get my uh, executive MBA in uh, healthcare management, healthcare management, excuse me. And I started to quickly pick up on some of the key areas from a logistical perspective, uh, whether it was from a supply chain perspective, if we were to think about this in a management system, that students have to have a coordinated function where that they don't have gaps in their schedule, whereas payment plans are made appropriately so it's feasible for the student. And at the same time, those payments are passed on to the provider appropriately and fairly. What would typically happen would be that uh, in the current environment, in the current setting, or the old way, the third-party providers, excuse me, the third-party systems that were partnering with our providers would end up taking some sort of commission structure from the students. And usually that structure was the larger piece of the pie would go to this agency and a smaller portion of the fees that were taken from the student would go to, to the actual provider. And seeing this firsthand again with my mother, again, being that these were the rules of the land at the time, we agreed to such. And uh, again, as a provider, it's great to provide the role of medical education. But at the same time, I think having some fair compensation in place so that the provider also doesn't feel devalued is important as well. So anyways, as we started to move forward with our medical education program, we started to bring on several students from several programs. And really, they had a wonderful experience. And it really solidified our methodology as to how to onboard students, how to prepare them for basic things from an internal medicine standpoint, HNPs, providing appropriate assessment and plans, how to present in front of your attending, how to leverage your medical knowledge or use the resources available to you to really make best decision-making skills. And so we really incorporated that as far part as core curriculum for the students. As time continued on, we unfortunately started to face some issues from a business perspective, working with some of the agencies where we were starting to run into issues where the agencies weren't paying on time or they would start to hold payments, um, to lack of accountability, very poor communication. And uh, it led to a point where as truly honestly, as a son more so than even as a provider, I felt obligated to provide my mom an alternate solution being that I was the one who provided the original solution. 
And that's where it stemmed the really turning point and uh, really lit the fire for usdoctors.co also as .co. So we quickly got together. I had uh, brought Sal, who is uh, my co-founder, alongside with our other co-founder, Rocky. Sal had been at Abbott Pharmaceuticals, uh, at a very high position role, but risky on. And Rocky was in the uh, finance industry. And uh, we had uh, collaborated together, and I asked him to join me in building a platform which would revolutionize clinical rotations as we know in this day and age. By the grace of God, we were fortunate to really put together a phenomenal team, experts from all over the world in various specialties, software design, marketing, branding, medical education, medical knowledge, IMG doctors. And uh, we're blessed to really put together an organization which was able to roll out this MVP product of creating a marketplace for students to be able to do rotations. And so what do we mean by that? We felt the role of usdoctors.co was better suited to, instead of being a gatekeeper, being the platform where individuals can connect. And what do I mean by that? Well, our two original variables were A and B. A was doctors, B was students or vice versa, the original intention was A for students and B for doctors. And those are two variables that we wanted to connect on our platform. And we saw this as a phenomenal opportunity because after we were able to successfully put A and B together, we saw that there were other institutions and entities and variables, mind you, that had to be also be added to the equation. And so quickly we started to add C and D. C was medical schools and D was healthcare institutions. and um, Thus far, by the grace of God, we've been able to rapidly grow our user acquisition and really see that the demand for this service is is out there. And it's uh, really quite humbling to hear the favorable feedback from students, those specifically impacted in today's day and age with COVID being another barrier for students to be able to do medical rotations and delaying their ability to apply for residency because they haven't finished their requisites for, you know, their clinical clerkships. We were now a solution for these students to become on their way to be full-fledged doctors. And it started to keep kind of compounding on itself. And we were, we were at this stage and point now confident in not only what we had built, but now looking towards what were the next steps to provide more value to those four variables and or any additional variables that we could. We started to adapt and see that there was a demand for other services. You know, there was residency prep services and resume review and really things that as a medical student, we don't get training on. And our providers on the platform they were asking us to really offer these services from their own experience, a lot of them being IMGs themselves. And um, we said definitely we would be happy to facilitate this as well. And then as we started to adapt a little bit more, we started to see that there was a demand for basic medical education training, really through video tutorials or kind of one-on-one tutorials on how to do a physical exam. What is the proper PPE precautions nowadays in COVID? 
you know, how do you take a proper history and physical? And uh, that was another service that we started to add it as well. We have now, by the grace of God, we have over 60 providers by the grace of God and growing every day from fields as far as internal medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics. I mean, you name all the cores and then even subspecialties, ENT, from the very prestigious facilities as well, such as Northwestern. Uh, there's large facilities here in the Illinois, Wisconsin area, Aurora Advocate, which I'm a part of, and then facilities across the nation, Alameda Health Systems. We've got hospitals on the West Coast. We've got institutions on the East Coast. And we've just been seeing a very humbling growth in, in our organic reach based on demand and mainly by, based on referral, to be honest with you. And uh, that kind of is where we're at today. I mean, we have a lot of new things also coming in the near future, God willing. We have some uh, artificial intelligence also being built out into the newer version of our platform to guide students as to where are facilities that they should do rotations at where they can better match. And in addition to that, you know, what are some providers that they have, they may be better suited for them because of other students who have gone through the rotations with similar backgrounds, whether that's their school or their, their number of exams that they've passed or their choice of what they want to go into. And so that's something that's very neat as well. Yeah. You know, thanks for giving us that rundown to this service, which, you know, I, as a person that went to Caribbean medical school myself, I had to book some of my own rotations and, you know, I had to seek out my own additional rotations and it was quite, quite gruesome. So I remember that really well. So, you know, let's paint the picture here for the listener. I want them to understand that you, Dr. Elahi, you know, you graduated from Windsor University in the Caribbean and you've been in practice for about 10 years now. So you have some perspective, actually a lot of perspective as to, you know, what it takes to be that person that's sitting at home right now listening to us, just trying to start out their clinical path. They're creating a path for themselves. And then, you know, they want to be where you're at. And, and then there's this, you know, long journey ahead of them. And they're looking for ways to simplify their life. And that's a lot of what I do on the podcast is I bring that, that person the resources that helps them simplify their life and create a sort of a roadmap for the educational process, which is why we call ourselves the MG Roadmap Podcast. Now, that being said, I want them to understand what is your background in medicine? What is your residency training? And what specialty are you certified in? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been blessed to be an internist, internal medicine board certified physician. Uh, by the grace of God, I trained at a very, a, a very well suited, excellent hospital by the name of Weiss Memorial Hospital in the city of Chicago, really, which geared me to really be able to be very successful by raising God and as attending physician uh, without any reservations. I mean, I think our, our program did a phenomenal job in, in preparing us as right. physicians. And just, you know, just so for the person listening who maybe doesn't know Weiss Memorial, when I was a student in Chicago doing my rotations, it was one of the sought after hospitals for clinicals. Because we knew that as IMGs, you know, you stood a chance to eventually match there because there is an intramedicine residency program there as well. So, you know, I, I did not rotate there, but I have a lot of knowledge about the program. I ended up rotating through the county, the Cook County Hospital, Jackson Park and some other ones in the Chicago area, Advocate Memorial, Masonic, 
And all these names may sound just like gibberish to someone who has not lived in Chicago. But, you know, those were the institutions that we looked to when we were rotating as students. So I, I fully understand you. But there is a key aspect for IMGs. You know, it's just not about any rotation, right? Like it's about a rotation that positions you for success. And that could be a rotation that offers you the opportunity to get a strong LOR or a rotation that offers you the opportunity to act as an acting intern. So you're auditioning yourself saying, hey, I'm a student, but here's how good I am during round. So the attending can see me and recognize that I would be a good candidate when it came time for application, right? And then there's a rotation that allows you to network and build relationship with the attendings in a manner that gives you a long lasting relationship that can benefit you not only for when you match, but for what your life becomes, even when you start to have a career of your own. And so that's why I recommend U.S. Clinical Experience to IMGs, especially to go outside of the box of, you know, being fixated on just what your school will provide you. But looking outside of that box to say, you know, what other options can I apply for myself that will position me to be able to maybe gain an LOR or to be able to audition myself or to be able to meet other doctors that could recommend me to other places down the road. Because medicine is just like business. It's all about networking. It's all about meeting people. Medicine is just like life, basically. Like you meet people, you talk to them, you like one another, you develop a relationship. And then down the road, you help one another out in one way or the other. So, you know, I'm really impressed with the work that you've done, you and Sal both, you know, working on this platform. And I, it's some reason I like that it, it just sticks in my head. It's like Uber for, for rotations because I went on it and I, and I played around a little bit. And one thing I noticed was, you know, I can go on there as a preceptor and list out my rotation and tell my audience, you know, what I can offer them. And that could be, you know, I serve IMGs by offering them, you know, four weeks learning experience in internal medicine at XYZ location. And here's what you can get. And here's what you can expect. And I have that profile on there. Now, you who's listening to me may, you know, log on to usdoctors.co and create a profile. And it would just be like creating a Facebook profile. And you can then browse and see what attendings are on this platform. And then you can pick and choose who you want to connect with. And there's no cost to you to do this. You are just exploring your options. And then when you eventually fall into the place where you find somebody that you want to learn under, maybe you decide, hey, this person tells me on their profile, they'll offer me a letter or there's a potential to get a letter. Or they work at an institution that I've heard about or an institution that's affiliated with the residency program. And I, you know, I may want to apply there. And so you're thinking, great networking opportunity. Or, you know, you may find out that this person, you know, when you put them in Google, which I recommend you always do, you know, Google the person that you find on the platform to see what their publications are, what the clinical interests are, so that you can figure out if you mesh in with them. Because it's important for you to pick a rotation with an attending that's going to benefit you as a student listening right now a lot more than anything, because it's your life that's on the line. And so when you decide, okay, this is a profile I'm going to click on, I'm going to you know, apply to their rotation, usdoctors.co helps kind of bridge that connection for you. So they basically presented you with these opportunities 
And then you can pick and choose who you get to be a part of. Now, money is a big issue because IMGs, we all have money problems. I have money problems. I was squatting on the south side of Chicago in a studio apartment with two roommates. We were paying barely nothing because we had no money. And so every time I present an opportunity to IMGs, I want to be transparent about the money part because, Absolutely. you know, that's why they like me. And I hope the listeners agree <laughs> that they like me because I keep it 100 on this podcast. Yes. And so you may be asking Doc, like, is that free? It is free to create your profile. It is free to explore the options. And this is the thing, guys. Opportunity is always free. But you have to remember that in order to get any amount of quality in your life, you pay for it. You pay for medical school. You pay for your training. So once you create a connection, and once that connection has been established by usdoctors.co, what you pay for is your actual rotation. So it's just like what you do when you pay your tuition at school. So there, nobody's trying to exploit you here. A lot of this is we're, they've created a platform that connects you, the student, you, the IMG, who may already be a graduate that's looking for an observership, an externship, a clinical rotation. And they connect you with that hospital, that attending physician that can provide you whatever opportunity and whatever specialty that you're looking for. And then you make your payment to that program or that attending or that hospital or that physician. And what U.S. doctors have done for you is they've just created that connection for you. So, you know, I really want to, you know, be transparent with that. And Sal, if you want to hop hop on and tell us a little bit about how that works, maybe behind the scenes, what you know, what you guys are doing to facilitate that process for the IMG that signs up today. We'll really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Nina, for having us. Basically, my goal is essentially to really understand the technology components of it and, and gaps in the system. So what I do is I follow up with our students who join our platform, who've done the rotations with through our platform, really understand, you know, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, what they like to see on the platform. So as uh, Dr. Lahi was mentioning earlier, we have a lot of new features coming about uh, where students can communicate with one another or they can talk to the different doctors and communicate with them and kind of have study buddy programs and things of that nature, which will allow for the evolution of the platform from just clinical rotations, but kind of a networking opportunity. So that that is to come with the near future. But the excitement is, you know, just talking to the doctors and the students, they all love the platform. They They feel that something like this should have just existed long before because it's a simple fix to the broken system that currently exists in the, in the international space for medical students. And uh, right now, we've been aggressively working with medical schools across the globe and uh, clinics and hospitals and doctors here in the States. And uh, as we introduce ourselves, you know, they're very open to joining. And even with the COVID restrictions currently, we have many preceptors who are willing to take students on. Uh, so that's the exciting component of it. Now there's also telerotations. So you know, with uh, technology and, and Zoom and everything that's come about, those opportunities have opened the doors as well. Yeah, yeah. I think telehealth is um, is growing really rapidly, a lot more than I ever anticipated for 2020. But I think it should have been just as good, you know, years ago. But thank God for the pandemic, right? Because then we found <laughs> the benefit of telehealth. And, you know, I get this question a lot. You know, students ask me, especially this year, I, I actually had to do a webinar about, just COVID-19 interruptions and clinicals. And one of the most frequently asked questions was, you know, are telehealth rotations just as good as in-person rotations? And what would you both, you know, say to that? You know, my take on that is it depends on the specialty and the, and the student's learning 
you know, some really like the hands-on experience. They want to really be on site. But uh, we have some doctors who are radiologists, you know, and they really built out a really great program for students to, a curriculum, sorry, to really understand how radiology works because there's not much interaction with patients. So those are the opportunities that really work well with telerotations. And we also have doctors who allow for students to watch their interaction between them and the patient, so Zoom or Google Meet uh, with the patient's consent, of course. And students, you know, at first were hesitant. They, they were just feeling this is not going to be the ideal stance. But, you know, after going through the experience, they actually came back and said, you know what, this is actually not that bad. So it's, it's really working out in the positive form. And I think the evolution of technology is allowing for this push. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, another thing I've noticed too with telehealth rotations is telehealth should have been a part of our curriculum in medical school anyways, because, you know, it's just it's just the future. And it's taken this unfortunate virus for us to learn that, you know, it is a way forward. But if you think about it in real life, doctors are still seeing patients via telehealth now. And so it's going to be included in standard of care. And it's not wrong to pursue a telehealth rotation as an IMG this early on, because you will, in residency and in training, and after you graduate, you will have a component of your practice that's telehealth. So, you know, it's unfortunate that this is the year that we're learning. A lot of us that were maybe not exposed as students to telemedicine are learning about the importance of it. But don't shy away from a telehealth rotation. I think some specialties that are key for telehealth would be radiology, psych, most primary care. But the thing with primary care is you also need a balance of in-person. So I wouldn't necessarily prioritize just my, my course as 100% telehealth. I would split them. You know, maybe I could do half as telehealth, half as in-person. Because you need that interaction. In, in, even in your real practice, you'll have that. But a lot of psychiatrists have been on the telehealth bandwagon for years before now. And then for those that are interested in surgical specialties, then obviously hands-on takes the, takes the cake on that. But that being said, you know, follow-ups, a lot of surgeons are doing follow-ups in person or intake visits in, I'm sorry, telehealth, and they're doing intake visits as well via telehealth. So I think an IMG listening right now can merge both experiences. You can do a part telehealth and a part in person, as opposed to not having any U.S. clinical experience at all. So for everybody listening, you know, we'll include all the links for you to sign up for your free account to usdoctors.co in the show notes. And so you'll be able to go on and just put in your basic information. It doesn't really ask for much. I did it in under a few minutes. Barely took me about three minutes to fill out my information and create a profile. You can put a picture on there if you want. I did. I thought it was lovely to be able to see the students and other preceptors have their pictures on there. So it's like creating a free Facebook profile and you can browse and take your time with picking out who you want, where you want. As always, I recommend doing your background work, Googling the hospital, the preceptor, and making sure that that person actually, you know, meets what you want out of your career so that there is that mutual respect when you show up um, for your clinicals. Now, any final words, uh, Dr. Elahi? Let's talk a little bit. Let's get a little bit personal because on the podcast, my uh, audience and my guests, usually they, the, the listeners want to know like the details of the attending physician story because you know they're in probably a, a stage in their life right now where it feels a little bit isolating. It feels a little bit impossible to become an attending and to have a successful career. 
So they, you know, we usually want to know, did you have any challenges whatsoever <laughs> as a student or did you just have a, a smooth ride through medical school? Mom is a oh. physician, so life was good. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe something personal that you yeah, overcame? Absolutely. Uh, Nina, so I will tell you about the personal story, but I just wanted to mention a few things before we jump into the personal uh, details, uh, referencing uh, something you said in regards to networking and an example that uh, real world example in front of me. When I was a first year resident at Weiss, we had uh, medical students rotate with us. There was uh, also a medical student rotating on my service who was also an IM. And obviously her goal, as all of us are and were, uh, to become a resident. I mean, that's like the golden ticket that is what you sacrifice the last eight, ten years plus of your life trying to become or, you know, somewhere around there. And um, what I can say with 100% confidence is um, her ability to rotate at why so she did her first rotation with us as a internal medicine inpatient rotation there and then she quickly followed it up with a nephrology rotation there and then quickly followed it up with a cardiology rotation there and the cardiology attending at that time was the president of the medical staff and she was an excellent medical student i mean there's one thing that truth be told your actions as a medical student they show if you come early, you go late, you go see the extra patient, you spend an extra couple of minutes reading about the topic, you present well, you look dressed appropriately, uh, you acknowledge where your weaknesses are, and then you ask for help. All of those are very, very important as a medical student, and they show very, very clearly. And all of us have been through it, so we know exactly what to read. And so quickly she showed... Um, she was an excellent student. She was phenomenal. She was seeing on the service, cardiology is usually the busiest service. And so she was seeing like 25 patients in a day, which is like crazy. You know, I mean, the cardiologist, that's how they run their service, right? So the attending quickly took a liking to her. And he said, you know what, when it comes time for letters of recommendation, I'm going to stand for you very strongly. And she didn't just have him. She had me as a resident supporting I I put in a a very strong recommendation for her as well, too, because of how she was in her work ethic. And guess what? Next year on the roster, who was joining us as a resident? Wow, she and, was. And I'm telling you, this is a real-world example for me. She was out of, you know, out of medical school for some time, which a lot of us happen. You know, we graduate, and then we have this gap, and we're not doing anything. And the first thing they ask is, why, why do you have this gap? And, you know, what were you doing during this time? And it's, like, forbidden for you to take off any time without any sort of reasoning. Mm -hmm. And so you quickly have to show on our, you know, papers of resumes and CVs, which are supposed to be this comprehensive overview of everything in our life, right? That what did you do for X number of months or even longer than that? And so one of the advantages, even after her being out of school for such a long time, which I mean, was maybe over you know a year and a half or two years, which was you know definitely a long time, was that she was able to show she was re-entering the clinical 
setting. And at the same time, she had very strong letters of recommendation, so much so that we personally vouch for this medical student just and no personal relationship. Just, I mean, just, she did a great job. She was a phenomenal medical student, right? And didn't matter where she came from, you know, what was her, her board scores, which is like, like so much like the, you know, the, gospel if you don't have the best board scores you know you're not going to get in and so so that was one thing i did want to let the the, uh, listeners know and our audience know that truly this is a real life example that i can tell you in front of me uh which is very very much an opportunity for all of our listeners as well so that's number one Number two is, is I just wanted to highlight a few points of, of usdoctors.co or usdoctors.co for what is the advantages to a student on the, on the platform, right? I told you a little bit about why we kind of ended up creating it or why we did create it, I guess. And um, what were some of the value points that we really felt that was very important to students? Number one was keeping everything very simple. Right. The way we used to set up rotations and that are usually used right now is is you have to get on the first you email your school for a list of coordinators that can assist you. Right. Then you go out and you email these coordinators The email. The coordinators may or may not respond right away. They'll respond at their pleasure. They'll say, I have one rotation here, two rotations here. These are the dates for this. And then you're basically limited to whoever's providing you that information, right? So number one was is that we wanted to make sure that all of the information of all the providers, all the locations are all centralized in one location where that student can easily go on there and just kind of as a menu item, pick and choose mm-hmm. instead of having bits and pieces of information, you have this massive marketplace of choosing whatever specialty whatever location whatever time of the year and being able to do that and another thing was is in a matter of minutes right time was so important whereas for me as a student I it took me maybe several months to book rotations maybe longer than that right to do two years of rotations even with all of the network network insights that I had and the familiarities with the system with a lot of my colleagues don't have and my ability to leverage English as a first language where some of my colleagues didn't have and running into issues because sometimes hospital systems don't want to deal with medical students. You try to contact them. They're like, please, you know, we're busy. Don't call us. And so sometimes even communicating would be difficult for my, you know, my peers that were, were not, you, you know, native to English as their first language. And I really felt very disturbed by this. And so the solution that was created was the ability to schedule two years of rotations or as many rotations as you want, your whole schedule in a matter of like five minutes. I mean, if you really did like two years worth back to back to back, it may take you like five to seven minutes max, but you can do that versus having to struggle for several months. So that was a huge opportunity there. Number two was that we wanted to be very, very fair to providing value from a financial standpoint to both of our partners or all of our partners, right? We wanted to make sure that the student got the best price and the doctor really didn't get chipped, right? I mean, that was kind of the, the goal here. I felt the pain of my mom, you know, being ripped off. And I didn't like that. And I felt the pain of me as a student having 
I felt like paying a tax for, for like doing rotations as a medical student, which was like my duty from, you know, my third and fourth year, I should be able to complete it without any additional hurdles. Right. Why was, you know, money being charged in addition to, you know, whatever standard fees there were, because I wanted to do my rotations in Chicago. Come on. You know, what, what is that all about? But nonetheless, I had to do it because there was no other choice. Right. So what we did was, is we wanted to make this pricing very transparent, right? No hidden fees, Mm -hmm. right? We wanted to make sure that whatever the doctor was charging, the student knew up front, right? The doctor, and we also wanted to leave it very autonomous that the doctor had the ability of charging whatever they felt was the appropriate price for charge, right? We didn't, we don't want to be monopolizing the industry and creating some sort of you know, set fees where that you know the chart the doctors are obligated to charge some ridiculous amount, where in reality they were not even receiving that that amount. So that was another advantage that we felt, and our students are like able to do like three or four rotations now for like the price of one, right? So that was like totally unheard of as well. And then in addition to that, then was the ability to again, as mentioned, to communicate with these providers through the platform safe and effective way and uh, really then I'll leverage that networking opportunity. And so I wanted to share those few points and then I'll tell you a little bit of my personal journey, okay? okay. So as a, as a medical student coming out of a international medical school, there was a lot of challenges with uh, obtaining clinical knowledge. That was the first, name, uh, first goal of sorts. And so studying was very, very important. And I, I think that's something that a lot of our listeners and audience always feel the pressure of right you've got these exams on your head all the time it's like step one is oh my god it's like the mountain of mountains and then like step two and then you know minus the cs obviously this is a something also unique but uh, you know then ck and then followed up besides that then if you take your step three which i would very highly recommend to all of our audiences um, as an advantage point to really differentiate yourselves and put yourself as an advantage and some of the tips that we learned, you know, as going through the process and something that you could also gain from having mentorship from, you know, physicians, whether it's from our platform or outside the platform, but these are important things to know to really, you know, make yourself a very advantageous candidate doing step three. And the point that I wanted to come across was, is that, and Sal can attest to this, Sal is actually, uh, he's related to me, he's my first cousin. And so he, he has seen my journey in life over the last 10 years plus. I would disappear. I would become very isolated. I would sacrifice my time with my family, with my friends, with my entertainment, with my sleep. And uh, I have done that many a time for many of my exams. Almost my step one, I took like 11 months in isolation. You know, people don't do that. Right. It's a very isolating journey. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a very lonely process. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all of our, you know, listeners and audience, sometimes I think, you know, those those days are very lonely days. And the and the things that really make it worth it is that, to be honest with you, that by the grace of God, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And when you do reach that next stage, whether it's the, you know, passing of your step one exam or your passing of your step two CS or step two CK, there's always a lot of joy and a lot of kind of heartfelt emotions, but then you're on to your next 
stage, right? You're onto your, you, you got to keep going. We're not, we're not, we haven't been through all of this grind for no reason. And so that was the, the first personal story that I, or at least personal insight I wanted to share with you. I mean, it's not such a, so much a story per se, but the next is um, dealing with rejection, right? A lot of our applicants and audiences, they may have applied or they may have tried to attempt to their exam and they may have not, you know, successfully passed their exam and it is not the end of the world right i want to tell you from from personal experience uh, i've been rejected many many times a lot of the applications i sent out they didn't get answered right they um they had various reasons whether it was scores or whether it was an img or whether it was you know the the timings of you know when I started my school or when I finished school and, you know, whatever the reasons were, my summary of, of what I'm trying to share is, is that don't get discouraged, right? I mean, this is a life you will get a hundred no's, but then you'll also get one yes, right? So you have to keep going. You keep on applying. You learn from what were the mistakes made in whatever areas that, you know, you were not so strong in. And then you move on and you correct those and add some sort of, you know, special ingredient, whether it's hard work, whether it's leveraging technology, whether it's leveraging your network and add that into the equation to really try again. And I think that that's very important to share with our audience because, um, you know, only those that have walked in those shoes really are going to understand the, the same feelings. So that's the second thing. I can tell you that uh, as a medical student, I'll tell you, and as a resident, I really, uh, as a resident and then even as attending, my appreciation of medicine really changed. And I'll tell you, in the beginning, it was as a medical student, I was just doing the work to impress the attending and, you know, make sure that uh, everything was in the right order and nothing was getting messed up. And then transition to residency where you don't know anything and they actually call you doctor and you're kind of like, oh my God, no, I'm doctor, I gotta know all the answers. And learning that it's okay not to know, but understanding where you can gather information from or who you can ask for help is extremely, extremely important. And that goes for even when you're as a medical student. I wish that was shared with me when I was doing my rotations, but I, I, I learned that with trial and experience. And then finally, as then transitioning to an attending, I really started to appreciate that the biggest blessing I can tell you, Nina, is by the grace of God, is being a healthcare provider. And that's a blessing that what he can take it's away from down. you. And it's the, down. Yep. And uh, I can tell you that uh, even from a kind of a morals and values perspective uh, in, in the in the book of the Quran, which is like the, for, for Islamic, uh, for Muslim people that they read, says uh, anyone who saves a life, one life is as if they've saved mankind, right? So this was a, this is what we believe very strongly. I take that very much to heart that each person that we have an impact or uh, help, you know, with their health or essentially even save their life, it's like you've saved mankind, right? And uh, that's something that... In, the reason for sharing is, is it should bring some sort of comfort to our audience in the times of difficulty because there's a lot of times where it's dark, where it's lonely, but really what the true satisfaction and joy that can come from taking care of a person and being a provider, it's incomparable to anything in the world by the grace of God. 
I agree a hundred percent. I today can look back and say every trial was worth it. Every um, obstacle was worth it. Every pain was worth it. Every struggle was worth it because it's a lot more rewarding to do this work now. And it makes sense why, you know, why I had to experience that rejection that you speak about and, you know, being an IMG and dealing with just the rhetoric around the competitiveness and such. So, you know, I really like that you both came on today and shared with us about this great platform that you've created to help IMGs connect with potential programs and potential attendings that they can rotate with to gain the highly sought after U.S. clinical experience, because that's a key component of what residency programs look for when you apply for residency, especially if you attend a a medical school outside of the States. So thank you so much, Dr. Elahi, for coming on the show. Thank you, Sa Rahman, for giving us your time and your expertise in sharing about usdoctors.co. We'll have the information in the show notes. The link will be all over the show notes so you guys can click and begin to sign up today. You're signing up for free to explore your options, to know what's out there. And we've given you all the reasons why we endorse you signing up today. So don't miss out, guys. And thanks for listening.